0: This month, our topic has been Crucified with Christ. And this is, I believe, our second Sunday. Sometimes I get mixed up, but I believe it's our second Sunday. And we're going to be discussing what it is really this month to be a Christian and to be crucified with Christ. Because sometimes it seems people don't know. You know, I talked last week about the fact that people call me up and they say they want to get baptized. And they think that baptism by itself... It's like a, a rabbit's foot. It's like a charm. Like once you get baptized, everything's just going to be okay. They roll out the red carpet, you get free meals at McDonald's, and money just shows up on your doorstep. But that's not how it is. You know, there are preachers on the TV that preach what they call a prosperity doctrine. You know, as soon as you become a Christian, wealth just comes to you. <laughs> I'm afraid I missed that. Uh, I, that... That that one did not happen to me yet. So, um, but when we look at the the early church, that's not the fact, the truth. Yes, we are going to be heirs and joint heirs. Yes, God has promised us uh, the wealth of the nations. But that is a future prophecy. We're right right now. We're on enemy territory. Now, when you're on en- enemy territory, you're not surprised if people shoot at you, are you? When they send the special forces and they drop them behind lines, you know what they they do? They're very careful. They hunker down. They make sure they go around stealthily and be watchful. The Bible said we are to do what? Watch and pray. And so the Bible says, "Why do you think it's strange the fiery darts? Why do you think why do we get all so bent out of shape when things bad things happen to let's call them good people, but we we really know there's no one good but God." But nevertheless, we get so discouraged when, when the enemy tries to kill us like it's a strange thing. And we forget that we're in a war. And what Jesus said is that everyone that is going to come after him has, have got to do what? Deny themselves, take up their own cross, and follow him. So last week we, we talked about the first step and really went into quite a depth on what repentance means. It's not just going down and getting wet. It's really making a commitment and seeing the reason why you need to be baptized. That's why we don't baptize babies. It's got to be a personal thing. I, my, my salvation can't depend on my father or my mother. It's a personal thing. I can't go before God and say it was because of them. Oh no, it's going to be a personal thing. We're going to have to give an account for what we did with what we were given. But you know one thing about God, He is so just, He's so merciful... In the, prob- in the parable of the five talents, he didn't expect uh, the one who had two talents to make ten talents. All he expected him to do was to work with what he was given, right? I will never be a, a uh, pro basketball player. <laughs> I can only work with my five foot seven. That's all I was given. So God is not expecting me to be dunking. But he is expecting me to try to do what I can with what I was given. And the question is, are you doing the best with what God has given you? And repentance is all about coming to him with integrity and understanding what he did for us. And then having a godly sorrow. We talked about that last week. And so this week, the next steps, the next step of salvation. And I know this is basic, but sometimes we have to start from the basics. Is once we come to him, is to grow. You know, anything that's not growing is dead. Is dead, and that's how you know something is alive: is that it changes, it reacts. It doesn't. It's not a stone. As far as our Christianity has got to grow, as far as our old man is concerned, that is supposed to be dead. The Bible said that we are buried with him by baptism. That means the old nature needs to die out. And sometimes, as Paul said, it has to die out nearly every day because it wants to come back. The devil wants to resurrect our old nature, our old thinking, our old ways of doing things. And so this week we're going to talk about seeking to grow. How can we be better than we were two years ago, five years ago? How can we get through some of the things that Satan is going to throw at us? Some of the temptations, some of the obstacles that He's going to put in our lives. How can we grow? Because that's what we're called to do is to grow. And so we're going to look at that. And then next week we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. And and then we're going to look at how we are supposed to minister to others, to be a light upon a hill. And then finally, the last one's going to be about the cross. So what about growing? Once we've come to Christ, once we've acknowledged Him, once we have put our trust in Him, how do we grow? Well, there are many things that... Cause growth and learning. And unfortunately, there's a saying that says good judgment comes from bad experience. (laughs) Sometimes we learn the most through things that are negative. Do you you hear what I'm saying? It's when you're growing up and your mother has told you don't touch the stove. And you go and touch it. Then you learn she was right. (laughs) Then you learn she was right, you know. Sometimes we learn best, unfortunately, because of human nature... Through bad experiences. And that's sad. The best way to learn is if you learn through someone else's experience. Mm, I saw that. Don't want to do that. Don't want to go. That's the best way to learn is if you can see someone else's example. But if you have to go through it, sometimes that's the way it is. Sometimes like if you're like me, you think, oh, well, that happened to them, but it's not going to happen to me. <laughs> oh, that was just them. I, I, I know how to do this. They don't know how to do this. I can, I can work. I'll, I'll, I'll come out fine. Sometimes we are hard-headed. And the only way some people learn is by finding out that they're not as smart as they thought they were. They're not as... as you know, it took me a while, a long while, before God really... you know, Because I believed the propaganda that my mother told me. She used to build me up. She says, you can do anything... You're so smart. You can do it. And I believed it for a long time. (laughs) And so that kind of set me up to be trying and doing things I had no business trying because I thought I could do anything. But we can only do anything through Christ. I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. I found out I can't do all things through me. But my mother used to tell me, you know, she used to build me up and, and, and give me the, this, this confidence. I, I did not lack confidence in my teen or 20s. It, it was only probably, and I said it took a while, until my 40s before I, I started to realize, wait a minute. You're not, you're not all you think you are. <laughs> and when I started to really take time to look back on my life, I realized that at all the critical steps, someone had interfered, someone had saved me, someone had delivered me. Most of them, I can't even tell you, they're too embarrassing, how God delivered me. Uh, I, I, I've told this one before, but, you know, I failed this exam at, at, at college that would have really kicked me out. I'd have lost all of the, the financing and everything, and I failed it the second time, and that should have been it. They, that should have been it. That should have been the end of it. But God did a miracle for me. They never did this ever. They let me sa- sit that exam a third time. Just me. Just me. They had this whole college thing and me and god allowed them to let me take it again now that's a miracle when i look back on my life i realized it was nothing to do with me it was just like that was just like peter fishing all night and catching nothing because i failed it twice so horribly and they only gave me two weeks they they they, they the, the dean called me and he said um and he talked to me about some things that had been going on in my life and he went before the committee and they did this that never done before. They said, We're gonna allow you to take this again, but you've only got two weeks. Now, how could I go from, you know, so bad to passing when he said, but you're gonna to have to pass it with even a higher grade. And you know God did a miracle. It wasn't nothing to do with me, it was his grace and his mercy. So when I when I got in my forties and I started looking back on all the mirror and that's just one that's just one of, of too many. And most of them, I can't even tell you because they're so terrible that God took me out of a pit and delivered me. But it was sometime in my 40s I began to realize that it's not you. That's a miracle. God has just been blessing you for a purpose. In other words, he was giving me some talents, maybe one or two, so that I now should do something with it. And that's the reason that prompted me really to to leave Michigan and, and come to Milwaukee is because I realized that God had blessed me. And when God blesses you, you've been given this to bless others. He is seeking fruit. Now, how do you get fruit? You first have to plant something. You have to put something into the ground. This is what we're talking about, spiritual growth. So the first thing in spiritual growth is that you have to take what you were given and plant it. If you have a seed and you leave it out, you're not going to get... Don't come back and expecting. well, where's the fruit? (laughs) I've got the seed, but you've got to do something with it, right? You've got to plant it. And that's what we're going to look at this week, spiritual growth. How do we grow? And there is... Uh, a scripture that says when we are baptized, we, we rise to walk in newness of life. In fact, the Bible speaks about our baptism as being a planting. It says we are planted together with him in the likeness of his death. So that we can be also in the likeness of his resurrection. The reason for baptism is, baptism is one, to erase, wash away all our sins. And secondly... To to bury this old nature. To count it as dead. And in fact, that's what God does. It doesn't mean that when we get up suddenly, we're Superman. But God then starts to count this as if it's perfect. Right? In Romans, he said that he calls those things that are not. And that blows my mind. That God can look at me. He can look at you. And you know all your faults, right? Right? You know your hidden things. He can look at you and count you as perfect. Now, if we can receive that, if we can get that down in our spirit, there will be a change. You know, people start to live the way you expect them to. You know, you tell a little child, I started to try and believe I could do anything just because my mother told me I could. I believed her. So I acted like I could. And, 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 and I, I, I lived most of my life that way, you know, thinking I could do anything. So we're called, first of all, to walk in newness of life. Believe that you're a new creature. The devil will come back and tell you all the things that you have messed up. And I've said before, you try driving a car looking backwards. You can't do it. You will crash. If you just keep looking back into your past, you are going to be stunted. You will not grow. Because the only way you can go forward is to look forward. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. That means we cannot, if we look in our past, if I look at all the stuff that I messed up at, I, I will be in such a state of condemnation that I won't be able to function. I have to look unto Jesus. And his light washes out all of my past. His light washes out all of my past. Amen. The Bible says in him there is no shadow or variableness, his, his light is so bright, his grace is so bright, that although I had a shadow, I had some stuff I was dragging along. When I come into his light, you can't see it. You can't see it. Hallelujah. So the next step is to growing. Once you plant something, you need to feed it, don't you? You need to put some fertilizer around it. And the, the fertilizer that will help us grow is God's word. And that's, that's key eating God's word. And there's so many ways to do that. We're going to look at that. Then the next thing that's going to happen to us as we start to grow, the devil is going to come and start to want to kill us. Kill the plant as it's growing. Amen. And so we're going to look at how we go about dealing with temptation and then growing in faith because it's going through some things lets your faith grow because now you've you've seen that you've been through some things and you can do this. As I said last week, my... My uh, father-in-law, my my wife's father had this this motto. It says, and it was simply this, it can be done. He looked at any problem and it was, it can be done. With Christ, it can be done. With Christ, there is nothing that is impossible. It can be done. You can get through the things that are going on in your life. And so we're going to be growing in faith. And then lastly, we're called to walk in love. To love our enemies. Now that's hard. That's hard. To love our enemies. Amen. So let's look at that. The first thing when a baby is born, what does, what does a baby get to eat? Milk. That's what the Bible tells us that we also need. 1 Peter two one says, that, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, that means deceptive th- thoughts and practices and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow. So the first thing that we we really need to concentrate is, are we getting enough milk? Are we getting enough word? I tell you, Sunday alone is not going to do it. You try not eating till next Sunday. (laughs) You try not eating till next Sunday. See how you do. Uh, It would be good for me. But some of you slimmer people, it may not be so good. I'm sure I could survive and it'd probably be pretty good for me for at least one week. But the Bible speaks about daily bread. We have the example in the Old Testament that while they were in the wilderness, God provided daily bread. We need daily bread. That's, you know, you wonder, well, why am I weak? Why can't I handle stuff? Well, if you don't eat, you you usually end up being weak. That's what happens. You pass out if you don't uh, have certain, you know, um, fluids and certain things. You pass out. We need God's daily bread. We have to take in something, not just on Sunday, but read, read a scripture. Amen. I've got a ton of scriptures in my message in the next service that I think some of those would, would really be good to eat. We, we need daily bread. Find something that is going to be positive to listen to, to encourage you, to lift you up. Because without that, you're not going to easily, you're going to be weak. And in a weakened state, then you're a pushover. Then you're a pushover, right? So we need the milk of the word. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that he may grow thereby. As I've said that you should get a scripture every day to meditate upon. Just pick a scripture that you can meditate upon. And it can be a simple scripture, you know, like uh, Psalms 23. Everybody knows that one. The Lord is my shepherd. Just those few words, the Lord is my shepherd. And you start thinking about that. What does that mean? He is my shepherd. Well, the shepherd cares for his sheep. You start just meditating on it. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is just those three words can be so powerful. The Lord is... That means that there's going to be decisions you have to make tomorrow, right? There's things you're going to confront. And you just start telling the world, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is going to provide that daily bread. So we need the milk of the word. And it's it's not as hard as it is. You have to start a discipline. As I've told you before, when I wake up in the morning, because I wake up later, my wife is almost never in the bed she's got a discipline i'm sorry to to pick on you but she gets up like at five and she goes in the bathroom and i and and i don't see her because she's she's in her word and i know that's her her time to to get some meditation amen me it's my car and i get in my car i put on my glasses and i put on my music and i start to worship and i start to thank god for his goodness and his grace and i have to put on the glasses because most of the time i start crying I don't want people looking at what's happening with him. I don't, I don't want any, but that's my worship time. In my car, I, 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 especially if I have to drive somewhere, I put on my, my, my tape and I start to just thank God. And I'll play the same song. I've done the same song for four hours. I'll put on a song that ministers to me and I'll play that thing for four, I've done that before. From here to Benton Harbor, I've had the same song just on repeat and I'm just thanking God for His mercy and His grace. And, and you, uh, shall I tell you, the times I've been at my strongest is when those, t- when I have had that time, when I've had that meditation. You see, we cannot grow spiritually unless we're getting fed. That's why people who avoid church or, 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 or skip meals they may be, uh, if you could see them in the spirit world, you know, they, they, they would be a um, a case. <laughs> they would be like some of these people in these camps spiritually because they have not been feeding on the word. Now, the Bible says that we should walk in newness of life. You know, the first thing when a baby is born, of course, they wait for that first breath, that first cry. If they don't get it, they start sucking out all the stuff and trying to get that baby to respond. And what we have to understand is that when we're born again, we get—you get, get the—I don't know what they call onesies or the six-month—is that what they call? I don't know. We put on that first clothing. We're so excited about what God has done, you know, and we are we are we are we been born into the kingdom. And what makes us newborn is that we now have to grow. And babies grow extremely fast when they're first born. Why? Because they're getting that milk. They're getting that rich stuff. You know, they say if you were to keep growing like you did between uh, zero and one the rest of your life, we'd be all giants. (laughs) Imagine if we could do that spiritually. Imagine if we could do that spiritually. We have to have the milk of the word. And we're going to look at some more things about how we go about as as, as a baby. You know, if a baby doesn't grow, then there's something wrong. We expect, you know, these mothers, they get together and they start comparing. Well... Mine started to walk at 10 months. Well, mine started to walk at 6 months. <laughs> you know, why? We're looking, we're looking for growth. We're looking for markers. We're looking for certain things. And if we don't, we start to get worried, right? If they don't if they're not walking by like, you know, 16 months, then then something is probably needs to be looked at. Right? So as Christians, we too should be growing. The things that bothered you 10 years ago Hopefully, uh, they're not going to bother you as much. Yes, you're going to feel some things, but you know you've been through some things. You're not scared as you were before because you've been through some things. You've had some growth experience. Paul in Romans says this. The first thing is to not be conformed. Don't let peer pressure put you back in the world's mold. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So one of the first things we've got to do is to change our thinking. Change how we look at the world. Change how we view issues, right? Change our approach in our thinking. And that can only be done when we submit our thoughts to God. That doesn't mean we won't have stupid, ridiculous, even evil thoughts just try and come in. And as I've said to you before, sometimes I have to say to myself, where in heaven's name did that come from? Why am I thinking this way? That is so ridiculous. And I have to consciously think about something else to get rid of that thought. Yeah, the devil will attack your mind because he wants to, to get you on a path out of meditation, out of God's word. But the scripture is saying that we can be transformed. God would not put it there if it was not possible. We can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That that Then you will be able to judge. You'll be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? That means, as I've been talking about, we have to learn to eat the word. Jesus, and I've said this before, when he started his ministry, he told his disciples something that they didn't understand and they all, some of them got mad. He said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no part of me. And he didn't say any more, just left that hard saying out there. Sometimes, as I've said, God will give us a hard saying that we don't understand, makes no sense. And 60 of them said, well, we can't be cannibals. They, they looked at it carnally. They didn't understand this was spirituality. But the other 12 stayed. They didn't understand either, but they trusted there will be things that come in your life that you will not understand that makes no sense that you you have you're asking God why and God doesn't say anything because he's seeing if you will trust him. And he looked at Peter and says, "You guys want to leave as well?" But Peter said, "Where shall we go?" Here here it comes down to the words. Only you have the words of eternal life. Right? He knew he may not understand what's happening. You may not understand what you're going through. It may look unfair. It may look crazy. But you have to trust. You have to be able to trust who it is who gave you those words. You know, if someone you really trust tells you something, you're not going to just dismiss it. Now, if it's a crazy person on the street, you know, gives you the finger or something, are you going to spend the rest of the, the day worrying about it? No. You're, not, you're not a crazy person. Done with them. But if it's someone who is close to you, uh, says something, you're going to think about it. See, it was because those 12, I believe, were closer to Jesus. They thought, no, he can't be meaning that. We don't know what he means, but we're going to wait. And it wasn't until three and a half years later on the night of his arrest that he took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body that is broken for you. And as I said, I can imagine Them saying, oh, that's what he meant. Sometimes you have to wait and grow to understand what God is saying into your life. Sometimes at the time it doesn't make sense. Sometimes he lets us go through the valley of the shadow of death for a purpose so that we can understand some things that we won't understand any other way. Psalms one one says, "Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. you know we can't we can't be looking down on people, no because but for the grace of God, I could be there, right, but for the grace of God, that could be me, but his delight, and this is where the meditation is, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate. Day and night. The times when I have been the strongest is when God has been giving me a word that I, I just realized the revelation. It gets me so excited. I go, wow. That's awesome, God. Now, now things start to click in my head and I, and I start to realize that this is, God is so great. He's got this all worked out. Our little puny intellect can't understand some things, but if we will wait, there will come a day like it did on the, that night where all of the things He said to them started to make sense. In fact, the Bible says he opened their understanding just before he left. That means for the three and a half years they were with him, a lot of things he did, they had no understanding. He, he, he opened their understanding. He prayed that their understanding would be open because they didn't even understand why he had to go to Jerusalem, why he had to die. There will be things in our lives that when we are small, we don't understand or we understand incompletely. As I've told you before, when I was three and four, and I heard my dad said he went to work to make money, that's what I thought he was literally doing. <laughs> he was at some place making money. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> you go to work and you make money, you bring back this stuff. <laughs> he made money. <laughs> See, our understanding sometimes is so puny. And that's why we have to trust God. And the Bible says do what? Lean not. See, my understanding of what, what really is happening may not be all that's happening. Elijah, Elisha's servant saw they were surrounded and he thought, man, we're in big trouble. They've sent this whole army just for me and you. What are we going to do? The whole city is surrounded. And they, they want me and you. They've come to get me and you. And Elijah, Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. When he opened his eyes spiritually, he saw that the whole mountain was surrounded with angels. See, what we're looking at is not the whole truth. You may look at your sad situation and say, man, there's no way out of this. I've said that many times. I I know I've said sometimes, I don't know how this is going to work out. Because I cannot see how it's going to work out. But that's good because I'm not God. I'm not God. But when we start eating the word... It starts to give us spiritual strength. In Psalms 1, 2, it says, But his delight, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh in the counsel, not in the counsel of the ungodly, but sta- nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seeth, sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It's talking about a blessed person. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, in God's word. And in his law, doth he meditate day and night. I love when I find a spiritual puzzle where something in the word I don't understand, I start meditating. I say, well, what does this mean, God? And it may be months. Maybe I'll put it down and come back, and then suddenly, one day I'll read it, and a light will open up. You know, a light will shine. The Bible says that that person who meditates is going to be like a tree planted. Remember what I said about growing? You have to be planted. And then you have to have a place of nourishment. It says planted by rivers. Not a little droplet. Rivers. The biggest trees are on the banks of rivers. Why? Because they have a constant flow of water. He will be a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Let's say that together. Whatsoever. Whatsoever. Do you understand what the scripture is, is saying? You want blessing, you want growth, you have to be planted. You have to be at a place where you are getting nourishment, spiritual nu- nourishment. Psalms 104.34 says, My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. You know, when you're in love with someone, what do you want to do? Spend time with them. Talk to, I, I told you, I, when I was... Uh, and I, I'm sorry my stories are, are old, because some of you heard them over and over. I spent so much money on the phone. Uh, this was before they had cell phones, you know. I'm old. The dial-up kind. (laughs) There'll be young people be looking at that and say, "What is this? (laughs) But I spent so much money before I was married when we were kind of dating because you wanted to talk to that person. It didn't really matter what you were talking about. How's the weather? (laughs) What you doing? (laughs) Because you're in love. You just want to be in that person's company. We need to get in love with God. How do you get in love with God? It's when you realize that he loves you. That He first of all, that he's real. That he is tangible. That means he can touch you and you can touch, but you have to believe that. Amen. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Let's go a little bit more up because this is so important about spiritual growth is eating the word. In Psalms 19.14 it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation. You know, it's such a simple thing and yet it's a hard thing it seems for us to do. But the Bible says that they that are led by the Spirit, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And people think it's it's something really high and deep and profound. But being led by the Spirit is really, when you start to study, it, it's being what you think about. And the meditation of my heart be acceptable. The Bible says some really um, amazing things that we don't think about. You know, the disciples were uh, one time eating with some dirty hands. And of course, the, oh, they hadn't washed their hands. I don't know if they were dirty. But ceremonially, the Pharisees would not touch anything, even if they just washed their hands you know, an hour ago, they were going to wash them again before they ate. And they saw his disciples eating without doing this ceremonial cleaning. So they started to mumble and criticize and carry on, you know. And Jesus said something so profound that, you know, that's not the way we would have thought. He said it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. In other words, it's what you say that defiles you. That's why... And this is one of my weaknesses. You should never verbalize negative thoughts, because you're defi you're you're giving them power. You it may come into your mind, but don't say them. Do not say them because it's what you say defiles you. And if we could just go for a week saying positive things, it's it's so hard, because by by nature, at least me, a man, you know, I tend to be to be dour and and want to be critical but if we could fast even negativity that would be such a growth spurt we would we would experience such a blessing do you think you could go through a day without saying something negative you know it's like those um, baby showers where they where they say you're not to say i You've know, been to those baby shows where they have those games and, and you go around with these pins and if you say, "I," you have to give up your pin. Imagine if we go through the week because the devil wants to take your pin. Yeah. He wants you to say something negative. But imagine if everything that came out of your mouth from t- Monday to Friday was p- praises. Yeah. You know, my dad used to tell this story about this, this guy and he would come by and he and he was always angry and mad and someone came and said, Good morning. He says, what's good about it? (laughs) You know, but imagine if all of our, all of our speech, the Bible says was salted with praises. When you wake up, say, thank you Lord for a wonderful day. It could be snowing outside, but joy is not necessarily outside. It's inside. Let the meditation, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my, this is a sign of how much we've grown is how much negative stuff we spew out. And I'm just saying, if we were not to do that, we would have a great week. Try it. Let's all try it this week. Let's try. Even start with one day, because, you know, a week is a long time. We can see a negative situation, but we don't have to give speech to it. We don't have to give it a framework. What we can say is, thank you, Lord, because and we know that all things... Where even if it's a bad situation, God can take that negativity and turn it around. Amen. Jesus showed us how to do this when Satan came to him. He was hungry. He was in a a starving situation. And Satan said, well, you just turn that. You can do that. And he he reminded him how we should truly live. He said, but he answered and said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone. That's why we're weak. That's why we don't get our miracle. What does it say? but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You want to be strong? You want to grow? Get a word. Get a scripture every day. Don't leave home without it. You know, nowadays, people get in a panic when they can't find their phone. (laughs) Where's my phone? Where's my phone? I mean, it's the one thing now that is probably on you even when you don't have money, right? Is your phone. But what if we got a little scripture and wrote it out and took it with us and don't leave home without that in our pocket and when when you're under pressure you just bring it out i can do all things through christ that strengtheneth me right what are you doing you're speaking words and the bible tells us that the words that we speak that he speaks if you got the holy ghost they are spirit and they are life Every time Jesus told, uh, told people that they were going to have to do a miracle, he said, you've got to speak to your mountain, speak to your situation. And it's similar with God's word. Every word that proceedeth out the mouth of God. 1 Timothy 4.15, in his instructions to Timothy, because he was training him, growing him in other words, this is what Paul told him. He said, meditate upon these things. All the things he had written to him, he's telling him, he's telling him go back over it. Go back over and meditate. Get every last drop out of it. Meditate upon these things. Give thyselves wholly to them that that thy profiting may appear to all. Once you meditate on God's word, it's going to come out. It's going to come out in you being able to bless and encourage others. You know, there are certain people I like being around (laughs) because they're always in a good mood. Who likes being around a sour, grumpy I've shortened, you know, the word is disgruntled. My wife and I have a joke. And I say to her, instead of saying disgruntled, I say, are you gruntled? That's my new word when maybe, I'm not saying she's in a bad mood now. I just say, are you gruntled? Are you being gruntled right now? And usually she laughs. Now I can be, I'm I'm not being unfair. I can be that way too. I can be in a sour, I'm human. But what I'm telling you is not my words, it's God's words. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them and thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, this is what Paul is saying to Timothy about growth. You shall save yourself and all the people that hear you. So I'm not just saying this for you, I'm saying it for me too. Amen. Amen. Because I'm reminding myself what I need to do. Because I, you know, when I look at my week, I could easily start, I could, it, it could start to come out on my face when I start to think about the things I gotta deal with tomorrow morning. See, in my job, I'm a manager. And I have eight people reporting to me. And I'm thinking of all the, the, the things. If I, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> If I start going that down there, that won't be good. But just as an example, if I start to think about those things, I will be gruntled. (laughs) I will be gruntled about all the things I got to do. But you know, in all that, what I need to do is start to think of the goodness of God. Hey, I have a job to go to. It's a good job. God gave it to me. In fact, it's the best job I've ever had. That's the words I'm going to speak and I, no matter what I got to deal with, God is going to help me get through it. He is going to give me blessing. Amen. I know that, and I, I know this is being streamed, so I hope none of them are watching it. But I know the rating they gave me last year was not, was not what I deserved. It was purely from God. It was, it was totally amazing. Amen. The next thing in our growth is we have to learn to resist temptation. Resist temptation. Because... Once we, we are planted and we start growing, you know what happens? Satan plants some weeds around us. You can look at some plants. We have a, 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 like a, a, a rose bush and the little vines would start to creep around it to try and tear it down. They would be planted and every now and then they have to go in and cut them, cut them away. Here's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. It says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched. The thing about when Jesus came and lived a human life is he now understands what you're going through. He under truly understood when we pray now what we're going through. You come from a single family home, he was in a single family home at some point. We know that we have no more record of Joseph after Jesus was 12 years old. We know that he wasn't in the picture by time. We, the Bible doesn't shed any light. Maybe he died. Uh, we don't know what happened. But the Bible tells us he was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. And we have an example then of, of, of getting through. He said we can get through, not through ourselves, but with his help. And what's the first thing that, that he tells us we can use to combat temptation? Matthew 26:41 Watch and pray. That means temptation usually doesn't just come along. We get ourselves into situations. And if we were thinking about, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't go there or maybe no, I don't really want to hang out with him or her. You see, the watch part is is God will keep us, but we need to also understand that we do have some some ability to separate ourselves. That's what sanctification is, separating ourselves. So we can't put it all on the devil and God. Well, the devil made me do it. No, you chose to go there. You knew that what might happen there, but you were telling yourself, oh, I'm strong enough. I'm I'm not going to do that. Well, I've learned I'm not strong enough. So that's why I have to watch for certain situations because I'm not strong enough. I, I, I'm, I am weak without God's help. So he tells us the, one of the things to avoid temptation, first of all, we have to watch. We have to think about, okay, someone invites you somewhere, ask some questions. Well, what are they going to do there? What's happening over there? Don't just go, especially if you don't know the person or what's happening. Don't just go. You have to watch and pray that he enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is, we wake up every day going to do the right thing. I'm going to be great today, Lord. I'm not going to be down. I'm not going to be gruntled. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be joyous. I mean, that's my intent. As a Christian, we wake up every day saying, we're going to have a great day, right? But the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If I have a problem with, with the alcohol, then going into bars to eat my lunch is probably not the best idea, Right? That's not the best idea. It may be a convenient place, and maybe my intent was not to do that, but that's not the best idea. Corinthians 10, 13 then tells us, you know, I've had a lot of people say, man, you don't understand what I'm going through. <laughs> like it's unique. Like it never happened to anyone else. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor. You just don't understand. Maybe I don't, but for sure he does. Because the Bible tells us there hath no temptation Taken you, but such as is common. You're not the first. You're not unique. You're not suffering something that has never happened before. Therefore, don't, don't have a pity party. You gotta gird up your loins and say, I can get through this. I can deal with this. We are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. That word more, it's not less, it's more. See, if, if we, if we trust god we can get through things but some people have told me oh you just don't understand pastor you're, you're in a like i don't suffer temptation i do i'm human i'm flesh but but what 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 guards me first of all is i have to think about what damage i could cause what damage i could cause the, if i'm a pastor and i i i, I find myself in a, in situations that destroy the faith of others I have to watch and, and, and pray and ask God, okay, first of all, I've got to not, not respond to certain things. Go out of, I have to think in responding to certain things and, and make sure that I'm not putting myself in positions where I can be tempted. My former pastor used to say, it takes t- two things to yield to temptation, desire and opportunity. You may have the desire to do something, but you never had the opportunity. Or you may have the opportunity, but never had the desire. So he told me he would would pray, Lord, never let those two things be present at the same time. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And the Bible tells us that we can pray that the Lord will not let us leave us into temptation. But don't think that your suffering or the things you're going through are unique. This is part of growth. This is part of growth. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. So always look for the way out. Look for the way of escape. Let's look at that in in an Old Testament example. You all know the story of Joseph, right? As a young man, he he was put in charge of Potiphar's house and of course... Uh, Potiphar's wife must have had too much time on her hand and she saw this young man and wanted to have relations with him. Genesis 39, verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. Now I'm pretty dense and pretty thick. But even me will know if some woman is trying to flirt with me. (laughs) It may take a while because I'm so stupid. But after a while, okay, okay. I need to get myself out of this situation, right? And first thing I do is I usually, uh, it hasn't happened for years because I'm old now and, and past, way past. <laughs> but, but in times past, in times past, so she, she comes out really brazen, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Verse 12, so this wasn't enough. Finally, she caught him one day when it was only him and her. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. That's the key when you're facing temptation. Flee, get you out. Run from the situation, Sister Brownie. Amen. That's a good scripture. It says make no pr-. that means don't don't open a door. Don't put a, your, yourself in a in a situation where it's going to be easy for Satan to attack you. 2 Timothy 2:22 says flee also youthful lust. And not every temptation is about sex. There's temptations where it's just a lack of faith, right? Or or doing uh, or not doing things you're supposed to do. There's, there's, there's failures of omission where you know you're supposed to do something and you're avoiding it, you know. And you find everything. That's my problem. I'll find everything to do but the thing I'm supposed to do. My wife has great discipline. She, she, when she sets her mind, she just does it. Me, I have to kind of work myself up. And it's not until crunch time and the pressure, then okay, now i got to do it. But God has said that there is a way of escape. There is a way of escape. So in our growing, we have to learn to deal with how to handle temptation. And the best way, first of all, is not to put yourself in that position. Secondly, if you find yourself in that position, Joseph didn't put himself in that position, but he couldn't avoid it because he was a slave. But you know what he did? Even there, he, f- he fled. She grabbed hold of his garment, and he just ran out leaving it you got to get yourself out. The Bible says, and got him out. That's what we got to do. we got to get out of the situation. Flee. If we're in a situation, we have to get ourselves out. Even if it's painful. Even if it's painful. We have to get ourselves out. You see, this whole series is about being crucified with Christ. And one of the things after that is we have to grow in faith. Growing in faith. To grow something, as I said, first must be planted. And planting is a commitment. If you're going to plant something, that means you're going to be around. It's not here today, gone tomorrow. If you're going to plant something, it's a commitment. Planting represents an investment. Faith does not grow unless it's what? planted unless you take something and plant it so we have to have that commitment to grow mark chapter 4 verse 30 says and he said whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of god J- jesus started to tell a parable and he says with what comparison shall we compare it and he says this it is like a grain of mustard seed which is one of the smallest um, herb seeds which when it is sown in the earth it is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. You may feel you have no faith. You may feel I am the least. I'm, I'm struggling. But try and plant your seed somewhere. Don't let it just stay on the shelf, I should say. Plant it in something. Find a, a, a place of, of worship. Find a commitment. Find a, a church where you're being fed. And plant the seed. Make that investment. Make that commitment. Because that's the only way the seed will grow. No matter how small it is, it will grow. Verse 32 says, but when it is grown, it groweth up and become greater than all the herbs. It turns into a tree. You know, mostly herbs don't grow more than a bush. But a mustard seed, and I wish I'd put a picture of it, it actually can grow into a tree. But when it is sown, but when it is sown, let's say that, when it is sown. See, that's the key to growth, as I said at the beginning. If you're going to grow as a Christian, you've got to plant yourself somewhere. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. When it When it is grown, it helps others. It helps feed others. So your faith, when it is sown, grows and how does it help others because when you start to tell of what god has done for you it inspires others when 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 you you've given a testimony of how god has miraculously delivered you how he's taken you out of trouble how he's healed you miraculously you know i think one of the things that has helped my faith was just hearing my father's testimony as he was growing up you know he he was born in jamaica and at the age of 16 he gave his life to God. And just listening to how he was raised and the hardships and the poverty he came from and how through all his life, he passed away in, in uh, 2011. He was, I think, 86. That's what inspired me to watch him because obviously as part of his family, I could see his life. And I saw the things that he went through and how he was steadfast no matter what. All the things that, that came against him in his life. And his faith is what inspired me that I can stand here now because I saw it. I saw that it was real. I saw a a, a true man of God. I saw him live a life of faith, of commitment, and never giving up, even though he had a lot of things happen in his life. And he would tell me some of the miracles of of healing that God did with him. He suffered very badly with asthma for most of his life, even into his adulthood. And he describes the day when he 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 just got tired of it and just wanted to die because he, he had an asthma attack and couldn't breathe. And back then they didn't have the medicine or the treatments that they have today. And he just started to pray and fast and ask God. And suddenly there was a miracle. And from that day he never suffered another attack. He would tell me these miraculous events and stories. And that's what anchored my faith. You understand his mustard seed had grown into a tree. I remember once going up to Canada to visit at a funeral, and this, this pastor came up to me. And he said to me, um, you're, you're so-and-so's son, aren't you? I said, yes. Well, he told me he baptized me way back in 1960. And now I'm pastoring this church. He was pastoring a huge church. You see, the seed that is planted today, that, that blossoms and grows, can enlighten, and feed so many other people. You may think that your faith is nothing, but if it's planted, it can feed other people. It can bless other people. It can lift up other people. So as I said, planting your faith means committed, not just to being planted, but to action. It took something to plant a seed. You have to prepare the soil. You have to dig it up. You have to fertilize it. Here's what James says about faith. Even so, faith, if it had, hath not works, is dead. Being alone. The seed just sitting there doesn't do anything. It can't feed anyone. But if it's planted, it will multiply. It will multiply. Verse 18. Yea, a man say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. If you believe, you will act upon that belief. If you believe there's a $200 here under that planted pot, for the first one who gets it, you know what you do? You'd, you'd race everybody down there to pick it up. You would, you would, you would perform an action. So, just saying I believe in God is not enough. If you truly believe, there will be some changes. There will be some actions. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou? Will thou No, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works? God told him to offer his son, which made no sense. Why are you doing that? God, you told me that that I would have a son. Why Why are you telling me I'm to kill him now? It makes no sense. But because he was obedient, trusting that whatever happened, God could raise him back from the dead. Even if I killed him, God could raise him back from the dead. Was not Abram our father justified by his works? Amen. Because of what he did God uh, uh, proving his faith by not just saying it, by acting it out, God called him the father of faith. 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect? When we, when we act upon our faith, that's when God knows that we are really in this thing. That we are, our faith is not just words. One other scripture says, they, they praise me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. God expects, if we say we believe him, to then say, God, what do you want from me? What is it in my life that you desire of me? How can I please you? There will be a, an action to your faith. And of course, that comes, as I said, faith comes from love. Right? You trust someone whom you love. You tend not to su- trust someone who you who is your enemy. And so faith, the Bible says, works through love. You have to have a, a, a start to have a love for God. See, we have to be walking in love to understand and to really have faith. It's because I know God loves me, I can come to him in prayer. If, if I knew he didn't love me, then I'd have a great difficulty praying, right? But because we believe and we're told that God loves us, as Hebrews 4.16 says, we can come what? Boldly to a throne of grace. Not timidly. You know, when you have a little two-year-old, even if you've just smacked them and they're crying, what are they doing? Because they, they love you. They, they, even though they, they're, they're, they're mad and they don't understand what you did, they're still running. They're crying, but they're coming to you. And most of the time, you just have to pick them up. You know, Chris gave a, a beautiful example of, of how faith works in a little child. He said one of his daughters just leaped off like a four-foot platform, just leaped off expecting him to catch. Didn't give him any warnings. There's my daddy, so I'm going to jump. Of course he had to catch her. I'm telling you that your heavenly father loves you. When you believe that, whenever we get that deep down, then we can grow. When the sun starts to shine on a plant, you know what it does? It tends to turn in that direction. As it grows, it leans towards the light. When you grow, you need to lean towards the sun. This sun is Jesus Christ because he is giving us light, which is the life. So faith that works by love is the strongest, right? Anyone, let me um, ask you a question here. Do you love someone? Okay, hold up your hand if you love someone. I love someone. I love several people. I don't have enough fingers. I've got 11 grandchildren, so, you know, there's a lot of love there. Okay, put down your hands. Now, I would hope that if you love someone, that you have some trust in them, right? If it's a parent, for the first two or three years of your life, you had nothing to do with living, really, not really. Someone diapered you, someone fed you, someone washed you, and here you are now grown up. But for the first two or three years of your life, someone took care of you. Right, And you don't even know how that happened. You've been told that your parents looked after you, but how that happened, you don't know why? Because they loved you. I asked this question a lot of parents. I said, when do you... And I think I asked it last week. When did you start loving your child? Was it when they graduated? When they became a doctor? When they gave you a million dollars? If that was the condition of love, there would be no love. But we love... Because of relationship, as soon as the baby is born, as soon as you go down in that tank and, and and give your life to God, there is a certain thing that happens. You become adopted into the family of heaven. And because of that relationship, God gives you unconditional love. So how do we walk in love? It's easy to speak about. But let's be honest, there's some people that get on your last nerve. <laughs> right? There's going to be some people... That uh, get on your last nerve, so to speak. How do we walk? And it's not their fault. They were created that way. That's just their personality. God has a purpose for them. Amen. They may be the fingernail on the body. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're the you're the hand, and they're the fingernail, and they tend to scratch you the wrong way. But they have a purpose because God created them with that personality. So how do we walk? in love. How do we walk in love? 1 John four seventeen gives us a little clue, and I'm almost finished. I know this has been a, a long lesson. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. As Jesus was love, we can be in this world. This is what it's saying. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out Fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now here is the key. This is the real answer to how we can walk in love. We love him because he first loved us. It's hard to hate somebody. You have to be really messed up to hate somebody who is just continually being nice to you. You have to be really mean and twisted to really just hate someone for no re- if they're just continually being nice to you and just reaching out and, and being loving to you. See, my father used to say, and I wasn't sure if I believed him on this for a long time, he said, love wins love. And that's what we're called to do. The, the Bible says that's how you will know that you're my disciple when you show love one to another. You know, we're, we're not a very... By no means are we a rich church or, or, or anything like that. But I, I tell you what, I can honestly say this year we've helped more people than we have ever helped. And we've not turned anyone down who has asked for help. Not because I think all of them are actually using it necessarily goodly. But I remember what the scripture says. I want to be able to stand before God and say, Lord, we did our best we 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 showed love as much as we could we helped people a lot of them don't even come to this church necessarily you know uh, or, and we're, we're not even going to get anything back but that's not the point our reward is in heaven we love him because he first loved why why i can love is because i know how i was how i am and yet god loved me Yet he came down and died for me. Yet he reached out and gave me his love. But to love someone, you have to know them. It's hard to just love someone you, you have no knowledge of. And so that's why we are commanded and encouraged to get to know God. Relationship, love comes once we know someone and we start to see their character and we, we admire their, their personality. And that only comes with knowing them. Growing in love requires growing in knowing. It's the knowing that enables love to grow and becomes productive. Genesis 4.1 And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. And the thing about that kind of intimacy, it births something. It will birth something. When you get that intimate with God, something is going to be born into your life. The more you know of Him, that's why the Bible says, In all thy ways... Acknowledge him, and he shall what? Direct that path. In the Hebrew, that word acknowledge is the word, the Hebrew word Yada, it means to know. The more you know of God, the more he can direct your paths. And and to me, one of the greatest and and amazing verses, and there's so many, you can stand. You can stand with me. Is this verse in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And here is Paul writing to the Philippian church and he's writing from prison. He's in prison after 30 odd years of ministry. This is not uh, something he's writing as a newborn Christian. This is after 30 years of ministry, after starting many churches, after being the apostle to the Gentiles, probably the greatest apostle to the Gentiles in the New Testament. And this is what Paul says, that I may know him. You understand what he's saying? He means he's still growing. He's not there yet. After all these years of ministry, he he still has to grow. He says, Oh that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Think about what Paul's already been through. Been whipped, been beaten, been shipwrecked, stoned. And he's saying, the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. He's saying, I still want to know him some more. The person you love, you want to know more. You know, like they ask these tests, what's their favorite color? Uh, That's a shallow knowing. But we need to know God on a depth and a level that we can really have that love. Hallelujah. And when we know that, then we are at the point when we can be crucified with Him. Hallelujah. Amen. This lesson is all about being growing and how we can grow in Christ and grow in love and grow in faith. And I hope that some of the things that I've said today you will remember tomorrow. Meditate upon the word. Find a scripture. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you this week you will have a powerful week. You will be successful in overcoming some of the things that the devil wants to bring into your life. Hallelujah. We're going to close this Sunday school and and we're going to pray. But I want as we, we pray that you will meditate right now upon your relationship with him. And ask God that you will grow in knowledge and the love. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, that you've enabled us to learn your word. Oh God, that we can grow, that we can change. Hallelujah. That you can conform us to your mind, that we can be renewed in the spirit. But Lord, we pray right now for everyone who is here. Lord God, that you will touch our hearts, that we will grow in faith. Hallelujah. That we will grow in the knowledge, Lord God, that we will remove the doubt, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you will come into our situation. The trials that we're going through right now, Lord, we just give to you, Lord God, because you can be in our situation. You have been there before. We ask for strength, Lord God. We ask, oh God, that we will endure. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Give God a praise offering this morning.